Chapter 7 of Ebenezer's Casket by John Ulrich Kesey and Junius B. Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Ben Tucker. Chapter 7 On the nearest corner he paused. Armistead had told him to come back if he wanted a job, but the idea did not appeal to him in his present mood. He shrank acutely from the thought of returning to the place of his former employment and admitting that he had not died. There was a sensitive strain in Ebenezer, the same strain that had made him susceptible to the words of Perry the Persian, first and last, that rebelled at the mental picture of any such action, that lashed out at what he felt he would see in Armistead's eyes when he appeared before him, even though the man did not laugh. And, too, he recalled his former employer's expressed hope that he would feel different after breakfast. Ebenezer's cheeks began to tingle as he recalled his return to conscious existence, the sight of the little nurse standing beside his bed with his breakfast tray in her hands. No. Come what would, he wasn't going back and ask Armistead for a job. He could go to Mrs. McCloskey's, of course, but from that step he also shrank. He had written that note and left it wrapped about the wedding present of a dying man to Irene, there would be more or less embarrassing moments to be faced if he returned. He... he had even invited the widow and her daughter to attend his funeral. Even now they might be telephoning Lynn. Lynn! Ebenezer frowned. He had paid the colorless little mortician $350 for a funeral he wasn't going to furnish, and Armistead had delivered the gray casket to the undertaking parlors, of course. And that casket, since he wasn't going to use it, was his. He might not have a cent in his pocket, but most certainly he had a perfectly sound and usable casket on his hands. Lynn, then, was the answer to his immediate conduct. He would go and see him and try to arrange some sort of adjustment of the funeral that wasn't coming off. He nodded to himself. He'd go see Lynn. Once more, he began to walk. The suitcase bumped his leg and he frowned. He was in a mental state where little things annoyed him out of all proportion. Yesterday, he had something over $500 in a farm. And now, now, he didn't have a thing except the coffin the casket company should have delivered to Lynn. Hot, tired, and in a more or less irascible mood, he finally reached his destination, ascended the steps, and passed inside, turned into the office, and once more confronted the colorless man at the roll-top desk. The mortician stared. There could be no doubt, but he recognized Ebenezer. Mr. Clay just... "'What is the meaning of this?' he began rather stiffly as Ebenezer set down his suitcase. Ebenezer drew a handkerchief and mopped at his face. He put the handkerchief away and cleared his throat. <clears> "'It was all a mistake,' he began in embarrassed fashion. "'Did they deliver that casket here this morning?' "'Wait,' Mr. Lane interrupted. "'Mr. Clay, just what lies back of your uh, peculiar actions?' Ebenezer explained. I had my fortune told, and they said I was going to die, and I believed it. I reckon I was a sucker, but that's how it was, and I thought I'd come over and see you and have a talk and see if we couldn't fix things up. Mr. Lynn laid the tips of his bloodless fingers together. He studied Ebenezer, or his tentative proposition, for some moments before he said slowly, But, my dear man, what is there to fix? Why... Why, Ebenezer stammered. He opened his lips and closed them again, very much like a 
landed fish. About that funeral, he managed at last. Mr. Lynn nodded. Oh, yes, what about it? I won't need it, said Ebenezer. Mr. Lynn nodded again. Apparently not, just yet. Then Ebenezer paused. I stand ready to fulfill my part of the contract at any time, said Mr. Lynn. It is no earthly fault of mine if instead of dying last night, as you led me to believe you would, you returned here today alive. In fact, I am of the opinion that in failing to keep your part of the agreement, you have forfeited your rights, but I would not be inclined to stand on any such technical grounds, since it seems you were the victim of an... Mm, misunderstanding. I waive the point in your favor. I am ready to give you the interment agreement upon whenever you require it. But, Ebenezer blinked. He took an unsteady breath. He was very uncomfortable indeed. There was an almost accusing something in the little mortician's eyes as well as a hint that Ebenezer had vitiated the terms of their contract in his words. But I'm broke, he went on at length. I was so sure of dying, like I said, that I, I gave away everything I had. That's unfortunate, said Mr. Lynn, in an impersonally sympathetic fashion. But it does not concern the terms of our agreement in the least. Ebenezer stiffened. The man was a crook. That's what he was. He had paid him $350, and he was going to keep it. If he let him do it. His voice steadied, sank to a deeper timber. So... You ain't going to give any of it back, he inquired. Mr. Lynn shook his head in almost tolerant fashion. He smiled very slightly. Really, my dear man, is there any reason why I should? You bought and paid for my services with the distinct understanding that they would be needed within a certain definite time. What do you think you ought to get? Ebenezer rose. He towered above the little man in his chair. He clenched a hand from sudden emotion. His voice came a trifle thickly. I think I ought to get the police. You're a skinner. I paid you $350 and... said Mr. Lynn distinctly. Did you get a receipt? Ebenezer gaped. His jaw sagged. He sank back again in his chair and stared. The colorless little man was right. He had simply paid over his money in cash. And if he should call in the authorities as he had suggested... It would be Lynn's word against his. In fact, it began to look to Ebenezer as though Mr. Lynn held the whip hand in view of the story he would have to tell if he called in the police. Then, well, how about that casket? He asked in a throaty tone. I ain't going to use it, and I bought it and paid for it before it was sent up here, and I can prove that much at least. Rather surprisingly, Mr. Lynn hesitated in his answer. Uh, oh, yes, the casket, of course, it's yours. Do you want to take it with you? It's here then, is it? said Ebenezer. I asked you that before, and you didn't answer. All right, I don't need it, but I gotta have some money. What say I sell it to you? You buy stuff from the Armstead Casket Company, don't you? How much? Mr. Lynn pursed his lips. He considered. Twenty dollars, he said at last. Twenty, Ebenezer began and paused. Something cold and steely crept into his eyes. No, you don't. He got up again. Twenty dollars for that box? Why, I paid a hundred for it. Factory price. Where is it? Inside, said Mr. Lynn rather vaguely. I'll give you thirty-five. 
Ebenezer shook his head. Mr. Lynn's manner was one of discomfort out of all proportion in a man who had just made $350 for doing nothing and was now trying to get a bargain rate on a brand new casket. I don't reckon you will, he replied. It's mine and we'll go inside and see it. Fifty, said Mr. Lynn. Ebenezer eyed him. Say, he remarked, you're acting sort of funny about this. Now I want to see that casket. Very well, very well, Mr. Lynn rose. Come this way if you insist. He turned toward a door in the rear of the office, and Ebenezer followed, treading close upon his heels. He dogged him through a second room where several caskets were ranged on trestles for display, and into another, and up to the side of a gray sidebar handle coffin. It was an Armistead Company product, as Ebenezer knew at a glance. But he turned from it after a single appraising look. There was accusing suspicion in the gaze he directed on his companion. This ain't the one I bought, he began and paused as his eyes traveled past Mr. Lynn and fell on a second casket. He knew it. He had made it himself for a definite purpose. In a couple of strides he reached it, and then he stopped as abruptly as though he had run to the end of a given length of rope and had been jerked up. There was no doubt about it being the casket he had made for his own use. A dozen little individual touches identified it to him beyond all chance of error, but there was the body of an unknown man inside it. For a moment of clearing comprehension, he stood looking down on that unresponsive bit of clay, that interloping corpse, and then he swung about to face the mortician. "'You danged little crook!' he said in a voice that shook with emotion. So you was going to sell my box and put me away in just anything at all. Well, I reckon this puts you just about where I want you at last. End of chapter 7